The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Father, we need you. Without you, this whole church service, it's pointless. God, we we need you in our lives. We need you in this place right now to speak to us in a world that is chaotic, that is filled with so many voices, so many things. God, would your peace settle upon this place right now as Randall speaks to us from the word? And would it transform us? Would it challenge us? Would it shape us into who you desire us to be? God, we want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to know you today. So, God, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Stephen. All right, good morning. Uh, If you're new to Grace City this morning, welcome. Uh, My name is Randall, and uh, I just want to say this. This church is about Jesus. This is a Jesus church. And so, um, you know, today our message is about finding your place, finding my place. We believe in the overarching story, narrative of creation, of the world, that God created you intentionally, on purpose. Um, And today, uh, what we're going to be talking about is is where your place is, where my place is. Uh, Last week, we celebrated our one-year anniversary. Praise God, amen, right? It's awesome. And uh, one of the things I said last week is that no matter where you, on your, where you are on your faith journey, you can find a home here at Grace City. And so that is my hope this morning, is that with this message, you're able to respond to what God is doing in your life, to whatever next step he has for you. Because it's about hearing his voice, it's about responding to him, that, that's the church. That's the church. And our text this morning is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And it it might be a short scripture this morning, but uh, this was the first scripture that after I was saved, the pastor at the church I was at, just a small little church plant, said, you need to memorize this verse. You need to memorize it. You need to remember this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourself is a gift of God. For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. He said, you you need to know this. And so this this scripture this morning is extremely important. And uh, it was the first scripture that I memorized as a young believer in Christ. You see, many of us walk into the world and, and we ask these questions. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Where do I fit in? 
In 2014, NPR came out with an article entitled, People Who Feel They Have a Purpose Live Life Longer. And Patty Neiman writes this. She says, people with a sense of purpose had a 15% lower risk of death compared with those who said they were more or less aimless. And it didn't seem to matter when people found their direction. It could be in their 20s, 50s, or 70s. And so I just want you to know that this morning, you, you might feel like your life, you've been stumbling around aimlessly. Might be in your 20s, might be in your 50s, might be in your 70s. But today, God wants to give you direction. He wants to give you purpose. He wants you to know that he has a place for you. See, here's the reality that many of us face. Aimlessness, anxiety, frustration, In a national survey, more than 50% of college students reported feeling so depressed that it was difficult for them to function during the past academic year. Why is that? See, in college, it feels like you've got this pressure, right? This pressure to perform, this pressure, this feeling like I've got to find where I fit right now. And so many of us are desperately searching for our place in the world. We're stressed out because it's a, it's a heavy weight on our shoulders. It's the feeling that many of us have felt before at one time or another where we think, I got to make my mark on this world. Why am I here? But today, what if we asked a different question? What if we asked a different question other than why am I here or where do I fit or what's my purpose? What if we slow down for a minute and ask this? How has God uniquely shaped me and strategically placed me in the world? See, this is more of a God-centered view of the world, of the universe, of creation, it's not a self-centered view of it. See, the, 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 the trend for many of us in, in life is, is to trend towards me. Where do I fit? What's my role? But what we see in Scripture is that the trend is not towards us as individuals. It's towards God. It's toward His people. See, it's more corporate more than individualistic. It's a different mindset than what we have in a Western world right now. And if we start to ask this question, we'll start to lift the weight off of our shoulders. Because that's the gospel. That's the good news. That life isn't about you and me. It's about him. And he starts to lift the weight off our shoulders. That's good news today. See, it's, it's listening for the voice of God, the same voice who said things like this to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1, 5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. What if you started to hear God's voice? What if you started to hear what he wanted for your life? Philosopher Blaise Pascal said, Not only do we know God through Jesus Christ, but we know ourselves through Jesus Christ. We know life, death, only through Jesus Christ. Doesn't life and death seem 
so strange. Doesn't make sense. He says, except by Jesus Christ, we know not what our life is, what our death is, what God is, what we are ourselves. There's so much confusion right now about where do I fit? Who am I? But God is saying, look to me and find yourself through me. Not through yourself today. See, when you hear the voice of God, you'll hear him telling you, I have made you. I want to do something through you. Not in the future, right? Because we look so much towards the future. We say, oh, if only this, if only I could do this. And we think of the future. Not back in the past where we have regrets and say, oh, I wish I would have done that. But God says, I want to use you right now. Right where you're at. See, your life isn't over yet. And and when you still have breath in you, there is a purpose and God has something for you. Right now. But we must start with him. There's an amazing verse in the book of Acts. It's Acts 17, 26. It's just trying to just plop right in there. But here's what it says. "For, For one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Do you see who the focus of of this verse is? It's not me. It's not you. It's him. It's God. Could you for a moment dream with me and believe that God has placed you here in this time, October 9th, 2016, in this place, San Diego, California, for a reason. Right now. The scriptures tell us that. Do you believe that God has made you for such a time as this, even if it doesn't make sense? There's a movie that came out uh, in 2014 called Selma. It was about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he went to Selma, Alabama. And if you haven't seen the movie, I would encourage you to watch it. It's an incredible film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Very inspiring. Um, but the, the man who played Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a man named David Oyelowo. And um, I, I don't think he got the, the credit he should have for this movie. He did an amazing job. But David is a believer. He's a believer in Christ. And he explains his journey to being uh, Dr. King. And so I wanted to read this quote. It's a little lengthy, but I think it's helpful for us this morning. So I want to read this. And this is what he said um, in an interview. He says, on the 24th of July, 2007, God told me that I was going to play Dr. King in this film. The reason I know the date is that it was a real surprise to me. I'm not American. I'm from England. And I'd only just moved to America two months before reading the script. The idea that I would be the one to play Dr. King was, to be honest, a bit shocking to me. But I do know God's voice. I became a born-again Christian at the age of 16, and my spirit didn't doubt it. My flesh was a little more skeptical. You've been there, right? I auditioned for the role, and the director who was attached didn't feel I was the right, uh, right for the role, which kind of surprised me spiritually. Felt like a road, roadblock, obstacle. 
But like I say, my soul was like, okay, I understand. I hadn't done many films, really. But then what went on to happen was a seven-year journey in which God gave me opportunities from playing a Union soldier in Lincoln who was basically a kind of pre-incarnate version of Dr. King asking for the vote opposite Abraham Lincoln to playing an African-American fighter pilot in Red Tails to playing a preacher in The Help and then the son of a butler in The Butler, which gave me a sort of educational tour of what it meant to be an African-American in this country. And all the way to this divine moment where in now, when this film is dropping at a time where we are in the midst, where we are in the midst of racial unrest in America yet again. He understood that God had uniquely shaped him and strategically placed him. Not just for this one moment, right? Because we think it's just this one pinnacle moment, but in every moment leading up to what God had told him to do. Finding your place in this world starts with hearing God's voice. And so what is God trying to say to you right now? Through all the confusion, he has a place for you. See, some of us today are saying this, well, I'm alone, and God is trying to tell you you're not alone. Some of us are saying to ourselves, we've got this voice in there saying, you, you don't matter. And he's saying, you have a purpose, and I have a dream for you. Some of us are saying, well, there's no way that I'm going to go because I'm too afraid. And God is saying to you, you are not obeying me. I'm telling you to step. Other, others of us are going so fast that we're not listening to his voice and he's telling us to slow down today and to trust him. Are you looking to God to find your place in the world or are you looking to yourself saying, I got to find it and I got to fit in? And so our text for today, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Um, the question we ask from these verses is this, what does it look like to find your place? Now, Paul is writing to believers. Earlier, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And so he's writing to believers here, and he's telling them things about themselves that they needed to remember. And it's all about placement. And so there are three steps that we see in here to finding your place. And so I'm going to give you all three up front if you're taking notes today. Um, we're a journaling church, right? And so you take your notes. You got So we've got journals outside, and so you can grab those. Those are free. Um, grab as many as you'd like. If you use them, go for it. Um, but here's the three points. And the first one is find your place in Jesus. Second, it's in the family and third, it's in the world. Find your place in Jesus, in the family, in the world. So it's this progression. And so the first one, in Jesus, um, look, at, look at verse 8. So it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. 
See, earlier in these verses, what we see is that Paul takes the believers through this journey. This journey through really the life of every believer. That it starts with disobedience. That it starts with running from God. But how God has run after us and pursued us and rescued us. That it was, that it was from beginning to end. It was Jesus and his grace that pursued us. Now, the grace of God is an amazing word. It's, it's the undeserved favor of God, the undeserved love. Right? And so one commentator, Peter O'Brien, says about this verse, he says, by faith is the inseparable companion of by grace. And together the two expressions stand in stark contrast to any suggestion of human merit. Stark contrast to any suggestion of human merit. And so what this is saying is that there is, if you are a believer today, there, there's nothing that you can take credit for. It was God. It was God who did it. It was God who caused us into this new life. For by grace you have been saved through faith. See, what the gospel is rooted in, what the, the message of Christianity is rooted in, is this. Done. It's done. Every other religious uh, belief in the world is going to tell you, here's what you need to do. Here's how you've got to work. Here's how you've got to earn. Here's what you have to think. But what we find in Christianity is this finished work that's not worked for or earned, but it's received. See, the gospel is the message of done. And it's by, that's why it says by faith. By grace. We did nothing to earn this life in Jesus. First done, then do. Right? Because many religious systems in the world say, do, and then maybe someday you might be able to get in. And you live in this confusion of, I don't know if I have a place there. But what Jesus says is, in me, you already know you've got a place. It's already done. This is the uniqueness of the Christian message. And so you can stand under the banner of, it is finished. When Jesus, from the cross, said, it is finished, that's the banner we stand under as Christians. You don't have to work. You don't have to strive. You don't have to earn anything in God's sight. So we need to understand that first. Jesus has done it. And that's why he says in Matthew eleven twenty through 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you stepping into the world? with a lightness about your life. Because my question is, are you walking into the world standing in Jesus? 
If you don't have that lightness, I would ask you, are you standing in Him? See, many of us are stumbling around right now trying to find our place in the world, but we are not finding rest in Jesus. This past week, I went to a conference and uh, came back home. And my daughter, little Ava, she's three, was supposed to be taking a nap. So she's, you know, in our room, laying on the bed, just eyes open, sees daddy, looks up at me, peeks around, and, and knows that she's supposed to be resting. She's supposed to be sleeping at a particular moment. And so I said, Ava, you know you're supposed to be taking a nap, right? Yeah. And so I said, all right, I'll lay with you. And so I went next to her, and I laid down next to her, and I put my arm around her, and I had her, like, little, you know, head right next to me, and I'm just holding her. And the, the funny thing about Ava is she snores. <laughs> she snores bad, and we tell her, we're like, Ava, you snore. She's like, no, I don't. I don't snore. Like, yes, you do. I know you're a little lady and all, but you do snore. What I found was the closer that she got to me, the deeper she fell into a deep sleep, right? She rested. Because when she first saw me, she says, my daddy. Now, when you see God as your father, and you see that he's done everything for you. And he comes closer to you and he comes into your life. What happens is you start to have this deep rest that everything's going to be okay. And you're going to be able to sleep deeply because he's with you. Let's be honest. Many of us burn out because we're not working out of the finished work of Jesus in relationship with Jesus, but instead on earning the approval of others or listening to that voice inside your head because it goes through mine too, you're not doing enough. So you think that's our place. But Jesus says, no. Your place, the place that I've called you to rest, is a place of grace. It's a place of understanding that it's been done for you. Yes, I've called you to do some things in this world, but if you go out there, you are going to burn yourself out. You need me. You need to come close to me. And you need to rest in me. Because I saved you by grace. And it's not going out there doing a bunch of stuff that's going to save your life. Jesus already did it. I love this question from our grow director, Amanda Pavich. Uh, she says, what's your good news today? We were sitting down this week. She says, what's your good news today? You need good news today. And the good news that we need to rest in is that it's done. It's done. Is that the place that you're resting in right now, Jesus? The second that we find in this verse, it's, a, it's an interesting addition because he says this. He says, not a result of works so that no one may boast. May boast. Who do we boast to? We boast times before God, right? Most of the time it's not before God. 
It's other people. We boast around other people. Because we want them to hear all the things that we've done. But what we find is that the second point is that Jesus has called us to be a part of a family. And in this family, there are people that God is forming that don't have to boast in what they did. They don't have to boast in themselves. They don't have to talk about how great they are. They don't have to put on a parade for themselves. It's a family that doesn't boast in themselves. But instead, it's refocused and we boast in God. So let's be honest. What's the thing that really sets relationships sideways a lot of the times? Jealousies, comparison traps, feeling inferior to other people. But what if it was turned on its head and instead of feeling like we've got to prove ourselves, we rested in Jesus and we say that's the place that we're at and we don't have to boast anymore in ourselves. Because many of us right now, we feel like we've got to tell everybody how important we are. Like I, I even feel insecure about that at times. Like I look like a 19-year-old. And I didn't choose that, right? Like, I wish I could grow facial hair. I wish I could do that. And like, you know, so I feel like times like I've got to be like, well, I'm married. I've been married for 11 years. I'm, I'm a grown person. I've got three kids. Like, that's nice that you told, you know, like, hey, I can have a, you know, student discount or whatever, but I am not a student. And so there's those feelings of, well, you, you've got to tell people who you are. But no longer do I have to prove myself anymore, but I can know that I'm secure in the family. I'm secure in Him. I don't have to prove myself. See, here's the thing about the family of God. I heard one preacher say this. I thought this was really good. He says, we are not choice people. We are chosen people. Like the choice it's like, oh, yeah, like, I choose that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, like, because they're the cream of the crop. The cool part about the family of God is that we're, we're not necessarily the choice people. Like, there's probably some choice people in here, but we're not all the choice people. But God looks at us and says, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. And he calls us out of the world, even if the world would say, man, they're a misfit. They don't make sense. Why are they here? That's the family that God builds. That's when God calls us into something that we know this isn't about us. And he says, I'm building a family for myself. The Bible tells us that to be in the family is to believe that you haven't done anything to save yourself, but God has done everything to save you. It's God as Father, and we are held together as brothers and sisters by Jesus. There was an interesting insight as I was at this conference this past week. A pastor named Ryan Kwan said, you know, you think about John 19.30 when Jesus declares from the cross it is finished. But he says a lot of the times what we skip over is the previous passages. And what happens before Jesus declares it is finished as he looks down in John 19 
uh, 26 and 27. And it says that from the cross he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is John, standing nearby. And he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Now, why is that interesting? Because Jesus had siblings. That would have been their responsibility to do that. But instead, Jesus looks at the disciple whom he loved, the one who followed the teachings of Jesus and says, I'm making a new family. A family on what I've done. And you guys know that. And so you need to take her into your own home as if she were your mother. That's your mother. There is something that happens when you're in Christ that's deeper than blood. There is a connectedness that we have in Christ that's deeper because Jesus is holding it together. And so God has saved us into a family and that you have a place in the family is because of him. And you need the family. You need it. Right, like this wasn't like this individualistic thing where we just hang out together and come to a service, but you need the family of God. Right, just like you need your place in him, you need a place in the family. Because let's be honest, we live in a culture right now where it's like, I'm going to hop from church to church to church to church. But have you prayed and asked God, God, where can I be rooted in your family? There are different extensions of the family all over this city. Praise God for that. But when will you take root and say, no, I need a place in the family. I need to find others around me that are going to encourage me. Because even last night, you know, my little family, I'm talking to my daughter, Elle, and I'm looking her in the eye, and I'm like, okay, honey, I love you. Daddy loves you. I said, you know Daddy loves you, right? And she says, yes, because you tell me I'm beautiful. You need somebody in the family to tell you what's true about you, to be in that place. All right, so do you, do you know that this is a place where we don't boast in ourselves, but we boast in Christ, and we hear the truth? about who we are. But it's not just in Jesus. It's not just in the family, but it's in the world. Listen to this. This is amazing. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This verse is telling us that you and I are uniquely shaped and strategically placed by God himself. Like you are God's masterpiece. When God looked at you, he says, I made you for a reason. At the beginning of uh, his book, Lynchpin, Seth Godin talks about, he says, you know, we are, we're all geniuses. You're like, what? He says, well, have you ever solved a problem that other people couldn't figure out or walked through and, and got through a, a roadblock that other people couldn't do or talked to somebody that nobody else would? He's like, have you done that before? It's like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I have. God has uniquely made you in a way where he says, you're my masterpiece, you're my workmanship. I'm, I've done something in you 
that has made you who you are uniquely. And I'm calling you to be the unique expression of who I made you to be out in the world. You aren't, you know, like Forrest Gump. At the end of Forrest Gump, there's this like little feather flying in the wind. You're like, oh, this is beautiful. And he's talking and he's like, you know, it's just like we're like this feather just floating around accidental-like. Sorry, Forrest, but that's not right. You're not floating around accidental-like. You have a purpose. There is a creator and there is a God who has a plan. And now that God has saved you, there is fruit of the salvation. What is the fruit? Good works. You're not saved by good works, but you get to do good works. You are saved into good works. You get to be. God's hands, feet, heart, in this world. See, how does this happen? God. Where does this take place? In the real world. In the real world, where it's tough, where you think, I just want to give up. I don't want to go back to that place. I kind of like sitting in an auditorium talking about Jesus. Out in that world where people don't like to talk about Jesus, where there's frustration. On a daily basis. See, Martin Luther, uh, the reformer, was once approached by a man who enthusiastically announced that he'd recently become a Christian, wanting desperately to serve the Lord. He asked Luther, what should I do now? As if to say, should he become a minister, perhaps traveling evangelist, a monk, perhaps? Luther asked him, what is your work now? I'm a shoemaker. Much to the cobbler's surprise, Luther replied, then make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. To be a Christian is to see that you're not searching for God's will in your life. You're standing in it. It's God's plan. You don't have to go find it out there somewhere. Because the cool part is, it says that at the end of this verse, we get to walk in them. Walking is stepping one foot at a time. We don't like walking. We like running. We like doing our own thing. We like going in a different direction. But God says, walk in them, step by step. And it's really an inclusio of this whole verse together. Because first he says, you were walking, verse 2, in which you once walked. You walked in darkness. You walked in trespass. You walked in sin. That's where we used to walk. Now we get to walk in good works because of Jesus. Out in the world, doing good to the glory of God. As God has made you into a masterpiece because of his work on the cross, he has strategically placed you in the world to be his hands and heart. Stop looking for what's next. And so some takeaways quickly, because we're running out of time. Are you rest- Here, Here's how I can find my place. First, number one, Are you resting in the work of Jesus? As Amanda asked me, what is your good news today? What's better than Jesus for you today? 
Because whatever that is, it will burn you out. You've got to rest in him. You have to look to him. Find security in him. Second question, are you playing your part? Here's the cool part about the Bible. You know, in the book of Hebrew, like in the old, you know, Hebrew scriptures, what we find is that, um, you know, there's a temple, there's priests, there's all of that. But then we find in the New Testament, as Jesus has come and the Holy Spirit descends, is that we are no longer like the other religions of old. Because it even freaked the Romans out. They're like, well, where's your temple at? Well, our temple is Jesus. Well, okay, well, where do you do your sacrifice? Well, Jesus already sacrificed for us. The ultimate sacrifice. It just didn't make sense to him. So you don't have a temple. You don't have like these special professional people, priests, sacrifices, all that stuff. No, it's Jesus. And, and here's the thing. The book of Hebrew tells us that all of us are ministers you know that? It's not just like a, a separate, like special group of people. So when we talk about like for us, like when it comes to, to it, like there's nobody that's higher than another person here, right? There might be people up on stage and all that stuff, but there's nobody like, Hey, they're more called than that person. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not our church. God calls you and he has a unique calling for you. And mine just happens to be preaching. It's a plant church. That's just mine. But that doesn't make me any better than anybody else or more called or any of those things. God calls you in a special and unique way. And that's why our mission as a church is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life because you're going out of these, these walls, right? You're going out into the world. And so where is your part to play in God's story? Where is it at? Again, I asked Amanda to just send me something that would be along these lines because I think she's really helped me in this just seeing biblically strategic placement. And here's one of the things she wrote, and I just wanted to, to share this. This is helpful for us. I believe Christian maturity is understanding your strategic placement. It is a perspective change on a bad job, a tough season. It leaves room for hope. It is the view from 3,500 feet. We have a job while we're alive in Christ. It is to be placed deep into culture where the church institution cannot go. We all have a unique gospel expression. We are all needed. Do you know that that is you today? Do you experience that? Do you feel that? Have you found your place in that? I'm praying that God reveal that to you. And so I'm going to wrap up. I've, I've got a little bit more, but I'm going to wrap up. Are you hearing his voice? Are you hearing him? See, God is calling some of you to rest in him first. It's to rest in Him. And so what I'm asking you right now, and this is conversations that, that we've had on our team. Like, our care team is phenomenal. And in the past, we've put together care plans for people because we care about everybody that comes here because God does. 
And part of the care plan and learning through the care plan is knowing that you're not just a number, you're an individual that God has a plan for, that God has a dream for. And so some of you need to be on a care plan. And you need to walk through with our care team and just saying, okay, how do I rest in Jesus? Because right now some of our lives were out of balance. Way out of balance. Everywhere. And God's saying, you need to slow down. I care about you. I care about your life. I love you. And so you need to know that I have a plan to care for you. Some of that's just eating healthier, exercising, and just resting in Jesus and the promises of Jesus. That's what I'm asking you first to do before anything else. So if you're a person who serves here at Grace City, like, man, I've been running, 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 but I've been doing it all my strength. You haven't stopped to rest in Jesus. I'm asking you right now as a brother in Christ to talk to our care team, to stop at the busyness and to rest in Jesus first. Second, is some of us right now, God is calling you to jump in. He's calling you to jump in here. He's, he's saying, stop running around from church to church to church to church. Here's the thing. We're, we're not a church of collecting attenders. We're here as a church to make disciples. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you hear God calling you and saying, man, come deeper in me. Know what it means to be a follower of me. That's why we're here. That's what this church is. And so I'm asking you to, to, to take root here, to jump in. See, God's intention was that we would live as a covenant family of people of God. And that through being that, the Holy Spirit would work through us. That God works through his people. right? Like he works through individuals, but he works through his people. And it's activating people in the lives, the everyday lives that we live, going out and doing something bigger than ourselves. Has God called you to jump in here? One of my favorite things as a dad, as I close, is to see my kids being activated to do something bigger than themselves. And a lot of it right now is just through praying and dreaming with them and talking with them and hearing their stories, right? Like a lot of that is. And I don't always do a great job at that. But, but that's one of my favorite things because as I start to see the uniqueness of all of them, it's fantastic. And, um, and there's this cool thing that happened like a week ago where I had to call my wife like, you wouldn't believe this. I was getting frustrated <laughs> that she could believe. But I'm hanging out with them and I'm like, hey, all right, guys. Family meeting real quick. Okay. I want all of us to find our place in the house and we're going to clean this place up before mommy gets home, okay? And so what I need you to do, I need L. I need you to go to the backyard and figure out what we need to clean up back there. Ava, 
I need you to go into our room and just pick stuff up off the ground. Kai, I need you to get the vacuum cleaner and go vacuum all the places in the house. We'll meet back together and we'll talk about it. So I want to put up a picture real quick. We have that. This is, this is Kai. I had to take a picture of it because I was like, I couldn't believe it. But he's over there with the vacuum. He's, he's vacuuming up different parts of the house. Elle was in the backyard. And I remember her moving a bike in, a, in the opposite direction than we usually put. She, I was like, Elle, where are you taking that bike? She's like, actually, I thought it'd be better over in this place, over here. Because then you can have more of a, you know, you can walk in, in a straight line in that direction. I was like, yes! Creativity! I love it! And we all kind of came back together and the place looked amazing. And I was like, wow. God... What's the dream you have for all of them? Because it's bigger than that small vision that I've got in my mind. God, I want them to capture a glimpse of your vision. Because that's where the creativity, that's where the dreaming, that's where all of it explodes. And God is at the center of it. And God is the reason why. God, may my kids experience that. And do you know that God is thinking that same thing for you? When, when will we, like, how is that possible? Well, it was because Jesus, while we were taking our place and thinking that we were the gods of our own life, he said, I'll take your place on the cross. My life for your life. And when you come to me, when you receive me, when I become the place that you find rest, I'll open up dreams in your life that you never thought possible. I'll help you find a place in this world that people would think there's no way that they could have done that. Because finding your place in Him opens up reality. And you get to walk in the good works He's prepared in advance for you to do. Find your place in Him today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you did it. Thank you that you made it possible. Thank you that because of your sacrifice on the cross, we get to live in a place where, God, you do God-sized dreams. You, do, you have a God-sized vision. And so release us, Father, into what we need to do next. Help us to be obedient to your spirit and your voice and what you want for us. And God, help us to keep walking even when there's obstacles in our way. We pray for your vision. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.